Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, and there's Hello. Jamie. Hey there. Hello. Are you guys both there? Yeah, we are here. Um, Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Unlikely Allies. I am Jamie, and with me I have Michelle. And we became unlikely allies when we were both in a relationship with the same diagnosed narcissist and sex addict. I was married to him for 17 and a half years, and unfortunately, Michelle got him after me. Uh, this is our journey, um, basically healing from that narcissistic abuse and navigating the court system after numerous criminal charges and convictions. And Michelle is going to give us a quick uh, disclaimer. Yes, our podcast, as Jamie said, is about a diagnosed narcissist, our experiences with him. He's also a diagnosed sex addict. Um, so on here, we do definitely talk about sensitive topics that... Um, may a trigger or offend some people just keep that in mind we graphically um about different instances and this is definitely not something to have the children around for agreed and tonight we have kim with us um kim and i have been friends online for over two decades i want to say um and kim played a really integral part of how Michelle and I connected and how we became friends. Um, we are re-recording a previous episode as we had some technical difficulties. Um, that way we can kind of go delve into how Kim sort of helped us connect and pass along some information in order to warn Michelle about the predator that she didn't know was living with her. Hi guys, uh, it is a little garbled for me. Um, so hopefully this works. Uh, you're coming clear for me. So fingers yeah, crossed. You both clearly. I hope it comes out okay. Yeah, okay. it's it's coming yeah, out clear for cool. me. I'm coming out clear for you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm like, it's garbled, but I can kind of understand. So if there's a little bit of a delay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're totally okay. Um, Basically, just to give a brief background, uh, as I said, Kim and I have been online friends for a really, really long time, and she was a huge part of my core group um, after, during and after my divorce, and uh, someone that I, you know, relied on friendship-wise, um, you know, going through that whole process including the court process in regards to my child, the divorce and things of that nature. And last year, um, pretty early on, I wanna say around February, March, I had been talking to Kim about the fact that I had finally found Michelle and who she was. Um, but basically I was nervous about reaching out. I didn't want to be seen as a vindictive ex, I, but yet I noticed that she had had uh, teenagers and at the time I only knew about one teen daughter, but I felt that it was imperative that she were warned about the fact that my ex-husband was a sexual predator and had convictions and um, multiple uh, firings for sexual harassment. And one of his victims was 18 years old. 
Um, I also kind of bounced everything off with Kim um, during a conversation or actually probably a few conversations, um, kind of just like, you know, going over my motives to make sure that my intention was in the right place and that I wasn't doing it from a place of vengeance or to get back at him or to just punish him in some way or another for our relationship. Um, and so Kim offered essentially to be the one to reach out to Michelle, um, first initially joining a, a Facebook group that Michelle had um, in regards to like women healing after divorce. I think that's kind of what it was about, Michelle. Yeah, that's the gist. Okay, so initially Kim joined that group and kind of, I guess, got a feel for you um, to see if, you know, we could kind of gauge and find out if you would be open to hearing what we had to tell you. And then she had offered once she had kind of, you know, you guys had started talking back and forth in a private message, she had offered to be the one to kind of give this information to you while also protecting my own privacy. And I guess I'm going to turn it over to you to, I guess, start talking about how that initial contact happened. Um, because that was initially between you and I was getting messages, I think a day later. Okay. Um, be before we do jump right into this though, I have one question for, for both of you. Was there anything like that you expected? Did you have some type of outcome in mind, a way that you thought it would go before reaching out to me? I did. Um, I, um, I didn't think you were going to be open to it at all. I was terrified actually. Um, in fact, like the whole time we were talking about it. And then once the contact started, I was like physically sick. I, I mean, I, I remember for at least two days, like my whole body was like shaking and almost like a trauma response. Um, I had expected that he had had two years at that point, two and a half years to kind of manipulate you and give you his side of how he wanted things to appear. So I had anticipated that he would warn you that I might pop up at some point and that I was crazy and that I was lying and that you shouldn't believe me. So my initial thought was that you were not going to be open to it, that you were going to call me a liar or a vindictive bitch or, you know, something like that along those lines. And I wasn't sure that you would fully be open. And the initial messages at first kind of also made me feel that I wasn't going to make any headway. And then I basically, I had told Kim, I said, you know what, I, it, as long as I get the information to her, I can say that I have warned her. After that point, it is your due diligence to do what you need to do. If you believe me or don't, I have at least given you the information. It's up to you as to what to do with it, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Perfect sense. And he definitely did paint you as addictive and all of that kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think, and Kim, you can, um, you know, clarify, but when you initially reached out, and I know when you had sent me those initial messages, um, I think it was the one about my child, the one that he assaulted, um, that basically you had said that, um, or Michelle had said that 
it was a situation with an angry hormonal teenager that got out of control. Right. Yeah. I, I think um, initially after that conversation, well, okay, let's back up. I think um, with regards to Michelle's question, because I think she asked like what we expected the outcome right. to be. Yeah. Right. So I think for me going into that whole situation, um, giving my, my own personal background, having been cheated on in the past, my hope has always been that if I was the woman being cheated on and somebody knew about it, that as another woman, somebody else would tell me, like somebody would have the balls to come and tell me what the hell's going on behind my back. Whether I believed them at first or not, like someone be honest with me and tell me what's going on. I may not believe it in, at first, but like, at least it's at least it's there and I can decide and move forward from there um and I, so I think for myself um you know when we initially um had the conversation I think my exact words to Jamie and our other friend were fuck it I have to know whether she knows and doesn't care or doesn't have any idea yes yes I remember that she You're doesn't yeah, like, if she doesn't, like, she needs to know. And so right. for me, I didn't really, honestly, I, and, and here, and maybe this is the really kind of naive part about all of this, Michelle, is that I don't think um, I actually anticipated, like, the down the road after we had the conversation, what that was going to look like for you. <laughs> Like, like in the big picture, like I knew I was dropping a bomb on you, like no doubt about it. But I think that like, I just knew like as a woman, I had to share this information with you because it was the right thing to do. And I think that like, that's all I was thinking about in the moment. Like, mm -hmm. but then I remember going to the group, right? And I remember scrolling through the group and looking at your post and kind of watching a few of your videos and kind of getting a sense of like who you are as a woman and that you genuinely have this desire to build other women up and help them um, be successful and find good relationships and, and, and be everything that you thought you were living in that relationship. That's what you want. And that's what every woman deserves. And, I just like, I remember going back to Jamie and our friend and saying, how the hell is she with this psycho asshole? Like how, like he has done such an excellent job of pulling the wool over her eyes. And, and I don't know, like, how are we going to convince her? Is she right. going to be open to it? And, and, and then I think that like, and then, you know, like Jamie brought up when we initially talked about C and the um, attack on, on them that, um, that you kind of, you know, your response to that felt a little victim blaming. And I think I was like, don't you do that. And, and it kind of got a little bit tense there for a second. I and, remember. And, and I, and to be fair, like, we don't know each other. Like, we're both coming at it with the information we have. So, like, you know, we're just all kind of in this, you know, in what we have. But, like, 
obviously we all know the you know the truth now of what actually transpired but I remember Jamie and I having this conversation of like well I guess like if she doesn't like we've done what we needed to do she has what she has it's kind of up to her now yeah and I think one post in particular um in the group that where uh Kim and I went back and forth like how can she, like how how can she be with him wasn't wasn't it like anything against you we knew what he was capable of so it wasn't like oh my god how could she be with this man when he's done this we had a very very strong suspicion that you didn't know anything but one of the posts that like i believe caused that conversation was you had made a post about how you had overcome your previous divorce and all the things that were entailed with that and that now you were in the most respectful relationship that you had ever been in so and oh yeah yeah right i do recall that yep yeah and so all of a sudden we were we were like baffled because we're like yeah yeah she doesn't know anything with that that was basically like the indicator that you had no idea of who you were involved with yeah none at all and and i i guess i'm gonna kind of hit real quick things that both of of you just said um when it came to the comment um about yes you're right i you know i was not at all trying to victim shame or anything but i had been fed that narrative for you know over two years Right, right. As well as, you know, if that were true, which I had believed at the time, um, you know, I could relate that to a situation that had happened when my son was younger. And I was, you know, so I believed, you know, what he had initially. Um, Right. And that goes back to that plausibility that he kind of used against you because everything he said, while was half truth. It was plausible and that's how he went for so long without getting caught. So I, I, we definitely knew that that response was basically you just repeating what he had told you. It wasn't something that we felt you had formed your own opinion of. It was like, we knew that you were repeating what he had told you. Absolutely true. Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And on top of that, like with the, the very first, you know, few messages or whatever, and I don't think you meant to come off this way, Kim, but I did kind of feel like you, you thought that I did know or something and how could I be with that, you know, and choose to be. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it, it was, it was definitely, um, I think it was nerve wracking for everybody because we 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 weren't entirely sure how to approach. We've never had to do this before, really. Uh, There's only one other person that I've had to tell her that her spouse was cheating on her. And Kim knows about that one, too. And uh, it was one of those, again, a trauma response, anxiety inducing and thing like that. And I think, you know, when you had said that. You were not when you, when you had repeated what he told you about the incident with our child, um, with the assault. 
we we knew that you at least knew about it so i think at that point we were kind of both like ah she knows about it like even if you didn't you know like if we if you hadn't known about it then we would have been able to like freshly inform but then you did know about it and we were kind of like crap we didn't know she was going to know something so how do we spin this and i think it was just like it was such a a uh, intimidating situation to be in uh, that I think everybody like was on high alert and we just didn't know how to take each other until conversation conversation started flowing even more so it was like I totally understand how you kind of felt that way like oh my god wait I don't wait what do you mean how can I be with this person I I don't know exactly what you're talking about and on our end we're like wait how did you know about this and not you know, I, I guess dive deeper, but then he is so manipulative and he is so, so, so good at that plausibility. Um, so it was like, I think we were all just very intimidated about the, the conversation as a whole. And yeah. just that early navigation was very difficult. It, it was quite awkward. Um, Again, I'm so thankful to both of you for me though and the way that everything worked out. Um, because you're right, you know, on on both sides. Like I, I did know certain things, but I knew what he fed me and I knew what, you know the court paperwork had access to. So that was very right. For him to manipulate and leave things out and for me to know. And, exactly, exactly. And I think that I was just giving a good guy the benefit of the doubt. Um, right, because he plays that role very well of being the victim of circumstances and just being like down on his luck and these things just happen to him. And, you know, he does appear to be that guy next door that is just trying to go through life you know and and yeah. you and because he had you had been with them for so long and he had had that mask on for so long you know why would you question someone because up until then he had been treating you very very well yes and i had and i had no idea you know until all of this started unfolding knew a little bit about narcissists, but um, I had no idea that the mask could even stay on that long. With someone and you literally see them every single day. Right, right. That's, I guess yeah. I, I'm curious, Michelle, like at what point in our messaging um, was it that you went, he's been lying? Like at what, which message were you like? Oh my God. Right. When you, all, when you all explained what actually happened with C, I was like, okay, this is, you know, not at all what he told me. So I need to, you know, to begin to question, um, you know, who's telling me the truth, who's lying. But the, the really got me was when you all brought up the sexual harassment and the firings, because. I had no idea of that, like none. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right, all and right. Yeah. So when I 
started reading, you know, predator, 18 year old victim. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And, and that I can't so close to home because that's your child's age. Exactly. At that time. Yes. So she you're was like 18 at the, the time. Hell? Exactly. And I had, you know, two girls the same age living here. Um, yeah. I, at yeah. that point, I just knew that I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't. Yeah. If I didn't hear y'all out and and just tried to ignore that, I would have felt like such a terrible mother person. And especially with my own personal background, and I'm not going to get into it, but I just can't even be a chance of it being true and him staying here, you know? Yeah. Right, I, I, right. And again, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I had a feeling I that you knew, you knew yeah. like, the most minimal, minimal things. And then, like, when we started talking, or I was giving Kim information about his sexual battery charge and his conviction and everything with that, I had a feeling that he had, of course, obviously lied about that as well and downplayed it. And what yeah. I know with me, he had tried to downplay it as, oh, she came on to me. This is always his story, but she yeah. came on to me. Um, I was just, you know, I was I was just trying to be a, a, a good CEO and give her some extra medicine and blah, 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 blah. But then later it came out, he failed the lie detector test and all this other stuff. So I had a feeling he was going to downplay it to you and make it seem like he was set up or he was a victim of circumstance. Exactly. Victim of circumstance to the story I got was that she came on to him. It was just a kiss. He had made, and I've told you this before. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast, but he had made it sound like, at the time that that was happening, that you all were already going through divorce, he was at a vulnerable state because of that, da-da-da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we've ever mentioned that on the podcast itself, but yeah, and I know that I've clarified with you, so I'll clarify with everyone else. We were not separated. We were not um, having a pending divorce or anything like that. It was when the incident occurred, it was literally right before Christmas. And I had thought that maybe, maybe we had finally gotten to a good place and that we were healing because there hadn't been any incidents that I knew of, of cheating in several years or not several. Okay. in like maybe a couple years, I'm not going to say several, I can't give them that much credit, but, um, and we were definitely, definitely not separated. We were not going through a divorce. Um, you know, that was, I, it was a big, it was a nice Christmas. It was a really nice Christmas or so I thought. I didn't know that he had also been trying to hook up with coworkers, other CEOs and things of that nature. And my first hearing of any of this was the day after my birthday in January where he was fired for it. And that he said he was under investigation. And so... Yeah, there was no separation. That was all definitely a lie. But I knew he had had to have spin it, spun it in some way to be able to make it okay. He spun it all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kim, um, I think at that time I was 
giving you basically copies of all the court paperwork. I don't think I had given you like copies of letters that he had written or copies of texts or anything like that. I think it was just essentially no, I was giving no, no, you no. court papers. Yeah. So initially, because I think uh, Michelle and I touched on this um, in the first part when we tried to record the first time. Um, initially, when I initially reached out to Michelle, I just sent her all of the court papers. Remember in that initial post off of my um, other Facebook, my fake Facebook? Yeah. Right, um, right. Yeah. And I, so, like I said, and she, she Michelle, you did say that you saw that. Um, and so then again, I sent it to her after we were corresponding again. I sent that all to her again. Um, you know, in, in that message as well. And um, I have to say, because I did go back um, recently uh, before we recorded the first part and read those messages. And I have to say that I'm actually very impressed that um, you continued talking because I was not easy on you. I kept pushing and you know just kind of kept like I think at one point I was like if you think this guy is the guy that's gonna be there for you and like you know be the love of your life your soulmate like he's not that guy and you know this was before you told us that you kicked him out like I was just like this is not that guy like he's not that guy I was just I kept pushing and I was really hard on you. And I just, I'm so impressed and I have so much respect that you continued to be open and talk um, because I don't know that I would have um, to quite that extent. I, I think I probably um, would have been more combative. I don't know how I would have reacted, but um, I just have to applaud you because that was not an easy conversation for you. To no, receive. it wasn't. <laughs> and thank you, thank you so much for that. That that really does mean a lot. Um, and again, I think that because I did inside. Oh, I felt combative. I especially at first felt very attacked. But then that also switched to mama bear. Like I had to find out who was telling me what, what parts were true, you know, and make some sense of it for myself. Yeah. And I think, and there was so much between the messages and the paperwork, like it really took me a while to fully get, you know, read all of it instead of just kind of browsing and, and just start to even wrap my head around it. And I think um, initially the reason why I was only providing the court paperwork, sentencing, um, and I think I gave like custody paperwork and everything like that yes. is because that, that was the information that I had that was able to be proven. I, it wasn't like my opinion on something or, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here's all this information, but there's nothing to back it up. I right. initially only gave what could be completely proven. And I think the only other information that I gave that didn't have like 
uh, court proof behind it were those two firings. But I knew if if someone really, really wanted to try really hard, there could be some proof of it somewhere with the old employer or whatever. And I knew that he wouldn't have willingly told you about that. So I knew if you brought that up to him, it was going to completely blindside him. Oh, and it did. It did. Um, so the, the day that Kim and I were, were going back and forth and well, it started in the group, but then, you know, messenger was, Gosh, and that would have been the same actually kicked him out later that night. But that Correct. was so rough because they're trying to work, trying to focus, having these conversations with Kim. He's literally asleep. So I'm trying to make sure he, you know, doesn't come out, look over my shoulder and get any inkling that something's going on. Right, <laughs> right. It was so stressful. And then basically, like, as soon as I was done with work, I was like, all right, here we go. And confronted him with everything. And yeah, blindsided is probably an understatement. Like, that mask didn't stay on much longer. (laughs) And can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that the one thing he actually did tell the truth about was the sexual harassment was that he didn't know who i was oh oh that's right that's right that's right <laughs> yeah that is hilarious i i absolutely love that it's freaking hilarious because because yeah when she it started technically the day before because she had sent that first message and at first i didn't read it at first i just saw the top of it but it said enough you know so i i took it to him he was getting ready to go to work and I was like do you know who this is do you have any idea and he's like no and and I was like well you know just in this little bit it's saying this and I don't remember you know exactly what it was because you could only see a little bit at the top but it, it was enough for me to confront him about it and you know that's when he said and this is the day before that I kicked him out when he was like Oh, well, it, you know, must have something to do with my ex-wife. It's either her or, you know, whatever. And she's probably just trying to start crap. Oh, I have to interrupt real quick. Yeah. I just, I have to interrupt real quick. I don't think initially that Kim told you that I knew everything that was going on and that she was approaching you. I, and I think that's how he, he was so blindsided too. Because he's like, oh, it has to do with my ex-wife. You, you had no idea that that Kim and I had initiated this, and that I was well aware of what was going on as it was going on. Um, we didn't disclose that to you until a little bit later, I believe, because <laughs> we didn't want him to retaliate against me, and so that's right. why we no. kept my name out of it at first. Right. Yeah, correct. It was it was probably I think um, I think that uh, Michelle and I had sent um, several messages back and forth um, because it was after I had joined her group and I had kind of um, because I joined her group with my actual identity. um, Right. And then I told her my background and we were kind of chatting back and forth and 
um, she had asked me how I found the group. And then I knew as soon as I said, you know, I'm in this, I'm in a great relationship. And, and she said, um, well, how, why are you in my group then? Right. And, and, you then, yeah. and, that's, and that's when I told her, um, you know, a little bit, um, but even then it was, well, no, I think that's when I told her that I was friends with you. I, yeah, I you think so. But the, so, the, yeah, you did say something like, I'm going to be completely transparent with you. And you went like you went into to all of it quickly at that point. But I didn't like I knew, you know, that initiated me knowing like who you were, that you knew Jamie, all of that. And that you knew, you know, their relationship, but I didn't but you didn't know, know that I was I I I was still correct. I had yeah. no idea that you asked her that to I was even involved, yeah, or whatever. I just thought she was like reaching out as a friend, or you know, right? Yeah, we didn't yeah. we didn't get to that until a little bit later. Um, I think it was like the next day after we found out it was I, after, it was after we found out you had kicked him out. Kim had right. sent me a message. She's like, she kicked him out. And I'm like, okay, well, if she kicked him out, then go ahead and let her know who, you know, that what all is entailed with this and that I'm the one that has been, that I've been feeding the information. And if she would like to talk to me, I'm more than willing and open to do so, I think is how I kind of framed it. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until, yeah, it wasn't until that you, you know, we found out that you had kicked him out that um, Jamie said, you know, go ahead and. Right. Because I didn't, um, I didn't hear from Kim for a couple of days. Like, I think she gave me all of the information, you know, yeah. like, okay, here it is processed whatever but then she did like message me again and and kind of ask how are you you know what's going on and um that was you know when I told her that I had I yeah I think it was the next day and then um it was probably maybe a, a day or two after that when Jamie you and I like actually started messaging because at at first it was it was just so much to wrap my head around. Yeah. <laughs> I, we actually didn't start talking back and forth um, directly, um, just you and I, until that Sunday, Mother's Day. And so that is when I was actually, you know, able to, because I, I remember I was door to, I had gone out to lunch with the kids. Um, no, they took me out to lunch. Sorry. No, no. And, and then... Ironic. Yeah, I know. Right. Like I know. Um, and then that's when we started uh, talking directly and I was able to provide you like all those text messages because he had said I was, you know, keeping the kids from him and that I wouldn't communicate and blah, blah, blah. And like then it was just like rapid fire after that. We we started talking and then that's obviously how, you know, we we became friends and allies. And, you know, I know at that point you didn't anticipate what his future next steps were going to be. Neither did I, I kind of did, but not to the direct point, but right. um, Kim was definitely like, I know that you had been talking back and forth a few times a little bit in regards to even the confrontation, which 
you know, I, we haven't delved in too, too deeply. I'm not sure um, completely how far we were able to get previously, but um, that's when you were able to do the whole confrontation. You kicked him out. You took all the court paperwork so that mm -hmm. you could take pictures of it, that you could view it and everything like that. Yeah, we were, um, the last episode that we tried to record, we, we've gotten further this time. Like we were really just getting to her getting into the group and us starting the message. And you and I, like we messaged back and forth. We, you know, we're talking. And then I, re I don't remember what day, but I know that we actually had a phone call and we were, you know, kind of picking apart you and I, the lies of. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. I find it so ironic that we're filming this the day after Mother's Day, guys, a year later. It, no, yeah. but you want to know something even more ironic is tomorrow is the court date for his most recent charges. So, like, yep, yeah, yeah. The, the, the irony is, like, yeah. in full force here. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, who knew? A year ago, you were warning me. You were, t I remember this part from the like we were actually speaking on the phone and you were warning me that he had stalked you and you know all this stuff and I'm like what in the world and I had already like changed the locks by that point but then I'm like you know having to get security cameras and all this stuff just in case and I still didn't even really think that it was going to go to that point and on my side I don't think I've ever disclosed this to you um on my side, I was still paranoid and terrified that you were still with him. And he had convinced you that I was crazy or whatever. And you were just going along with the conversation to get oh. information and oh. to see how far I'd go with the information. In fact, like when you had said that, oh my God, he had started slashing your tires and that you got him on video. I remember emailing or messaging with Kim and I was like, I am so terrified if this is just a game to him and he's trying to fuck with me. And it wasn't until yeah, I yeah. actually saw the, 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 um, the mug shot and the charges online through the courts that I finally was like, okay, I can let my guard down a little bit she does believe me obviously at this point but like i didn't know because he is so manipulative and calculated i was like he could be just playing me and having you message me or he could be like somehow took over the messaging even though it didn't sound like the way he talks or anything but i was like i was terrified that i was being played and i thought it was going to i was going to receive some sort of backlash and I know that I, I did tell Kim, I was like, I don't know. I don't know what is reality right now and what isn't. And it wasn't until those charges, he actually got arrested and those charges were posted that I finally felt relieved enough to believe that, okay, he's, he's not trying to fuck. I mean, he is trying to fuck me over, but not, not in this instant. He wasn't behind, you know, our messages yeah. back and forth. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. I I didn't even think of it, you know, from that perspective that um and he absolutely, you know, had he thought about it, he absolutely is that manipulative. 
He absolutely is. He absolutely is. And I was thinking, well, maybe he's saying that or he's telling you to say that he's arrested so that I'll just back off and I'll leave you alone. And, you know, but and, and I again, like even the day that you told me you finally got him on video, um, like I until he was actually arrested, it was back to that. My whole body is shaking. I feel like I'm going to vomit um, trauma response type thing. Um, and because even though I know I had warned you what he did to me, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if if he was going to prove me right, which he did or or what. But I know I, I went to Kim paranoid, completely paranoid, like, oh, my God, do you really think this is real? Do you really you know, like I, I don't even remember what I said, but I, I know I went to you, Kim, about it. <laughs> I just remember you being so worried and me and our friend kind of just going, no, no, it's he, he's he's in jail. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, but again, w- once I got those charges and I saw it, I was like, okay, I can breathe. <laughs> Didn't yeah. think he was going to get let out right away, but you know, no. And I, oh man, that terrified me because he was only, you know, in jail a few days the first time. Right. But I had no notific Like I, you had given me the thing, Divine Link, which nobody told me about. Like, I had no idea what it even was until you told me. And so I signed up for it. That was supposed to give me notifications. I didn't get anything. I knew nothing until he'd already been out of jail for like a day and a half. Right. And so then I'm freaking out. Like, you know, where is he? What else do I need to do? You know, he's fucking with me and my kids and I was terrified because I didn't know what he was going to do next right um and Kim and I unfortunately we both knew what he was capable of because we we've seen obviously his history and what he's done and I right I know that to you like you never experienced that side of him until he was exposed and like it was it, like complete and no offense to where you live but you're you're freaking dv advocate and you're uh you know court um every, the whole process over there like i mean i i know that has to go to the commonwealth attorney and you know i know he eventually reached out to you um and i don't know if it's because you know where where we were involved it was like a direct assault. So maybe that's why they were a little bit more proactive, but I feel like where you live, they are taking it so lightly and not even beginning to consider his history of escalation and repeated, you know, stalking and, and charges and everything like that. Like, I don't even think they were aware of his charges until, or his previous charges until you made them aware. But even then I think they were like, Oh, it's just, Oh, slashing tires, not a big deal. And yeah, like, Oh, because he hasn't, I, I have been told, I can't even count how many times now. Well, he hasn't physically harmed you. He hasn't threatened you. Right. So- no matter how many things that I have reported, no matter how many charges he actually has, no matter how many times I've called to say, hey, he's breaking the protective order, I have been told repeatedly, this isn't an emergency because he hasn't done anything to harm you. He has not physically hurt you. 
So there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Which I think, again, is like, I mean, we could do a whole nother episode on that, but it's, it's ridiculous given his history. Yeah. It's, it's. You have to live in fear. Constant. To protect his rights. Like that's just so not okay that stalkers can continue to do what they do and the law protects them. It absolutely protects them 100%. And, and where is the oh, protection for you until they come and go too far? Mm-hmm. And why is the burden all of proof on the victim? Like, you know, I mean. 100%. Yeah. You have to spend I, all of your time protecting yourself, documenting everything, correct. living with cameras, doing all of the things living under a microscope constantly you know watching yeah and being so very aware and not relaxing and just in fear and they get to go about their day doing whatever the hell they want well not now because he's behind bars but like you know exactly and like to this day to this day I still have never been able to get a protective order against him. When we had it, it was for the kids. Insane to me. That's absolutely- To this day, I cannot get a protective order against him to protect myself. I had no proof. It's mind boggling to me. It is, it is, it is. And then when we went to court for Michelle um, for the protective order, the judge, you know, went through this long list of things he was not to do as it would be a violation. And he included like online stalking, um, following in the car, being in the same, but, but every time Michelle has reported all of those things, including the online stalking and, you know, things of like that, they're like, oh, it's not enough proof. Exactly. It's not enough proof. And it's not enough. Right. Yeah. He, when it comes to the online stalking, oh, he, it, as long as he hasn't reached out to you, and directly messaged you, he can look at whatever page he wants to. Um, as far as the following, oh, well, it, it's a public road. We we can't, it doesn't matter if he's followed you for 50 minutes. That doesn't mean that he's stalking you necessarily because that everybody can, can take that road and it's okay that he doesn't live or work anywhere in that area he's allowed to drive wherever he wants, obviously. Right. Right. And even then when we, um, when he was arrested on these recent charges back in March, he had been going and stealing mail from her mailbox for months, months. And it was never enough proof. And even, and, and then yes, they did arrest him. They didn't get him on a violation of the protective order. Only still told it was not a violation of the protective order. And the only reason that he was arrested again on these new charges is because before he, they could arrest him again to reestablish the pattern of stalking and give them enough proof and reports filed for that before they, the next time they could take my evidence and be like, okay, now we can arrest him for this but it's still, none of it was a violation of the protective order that has already been in place. Which is just bullshit. I mean, it just is absolute bullshit. 
it's completely baffling to me how, again, the law is on the side of the perpetrators. Um, and like, if for say, for some reason, you know, he does get released tomorrow and he still has court for the next month because on the initial charges last summer, he was able to have the court date continued repeatedly for, we're going on a year now. Um, year. Yes. I, yeah. For a freaking year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then wow. like, and because these charges, um, like tomorrow's hearing is in, I believe, general district yes. and uh, June's June's hearing for last year's charges were moved over to circuit so they could try and get more of an impact. But like they're st they're in two completely different courts. So it's like even then, like we have no idea because nobody's communicating with Michelle. We really, truly have no idea how this is all supposed to work and how it's all supposed to come together. Like, and additionally, does this mean that the charges, if he is convicted, are they going to run concurrently or consecutively? Or can we have them, you know, like we want the, the longest impact possible. And yes, I am going forward with um, once he gets a conviction, my old, you know, our old case, his suspended sentence, we, we are going forward with that. So he will have to serve that. But like, say he gets a total right. of, you know, five years, if they run it all together, he might get another year. Right. So no. like, and they're not gonna, because right now everything is at the misdemeanor level. They're not going to probably give him more than a year unless something did later after a set of convictions. Yeah. The only thing that's going to keep them in any amount of time longer than a misdemeanor would be the suspended sentence. But again, if they run it together, I think at most we're looking at is like maybe two years. I want to say something like 15 months for some reason. I, I could be wrong. I'd need to bring out the sentencing order, but we're not looking at a whole lot. And so, yeah, we're going to have the ability to, for maybe a year to feel somewhat at ease. But we don't know what his headspace is going to be like when he gets released. And if he is released tomorrow, right now he has nothing for him like uh we're pretty sure his uh job was terminated we don't know if he has a place to live we don't know if his car's been repossessed like he has nothing to live for right now really so how is he gonna like exact that revenge against us yeah yeah exactly like it's a big unknown so how is he gonna react exactly right. and he's had six weeks to sit and think about it right exactly and stew and plan and see, and when he got out after serving a year for the assault on our child, he was still under the hope that he could convince me to take him back. Because if you remember, I didn't file for divorce until he got out on purpose exactly. so he wouldn't get a court-appointed attorney for free. I wanted him out so he would, you know, that's what I was advised by my attorney. And so that is what I did. So when he first got out, he totally thought he could still convince me to be together and that we were, you know, we were going to, you know, heal and 
all this other bullshit. And I remember meeting him, um, you know, cause he, had, he, he was out a couple of days asked to meet to finally, you know, get an update of the kids. And I met him, you know, at a park in public and he was still trying to convince me, but he, I, I'm assuming this time he knows that that's not an option. So I don't know where his headspace is but hope in regards knows. to either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what his thought process is, if you know what his next plan of attack for vengeance is going to be. But I'm I'm pretty darn sure that if he is homeless and jobless, either or both, he's tough. And I'm I'm close. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. But you and like you know I that he would also take into account, you know, okay, I have this many charges against me. So obviously I'm getting caught, but with him escalating, like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares. Bottom line. I don't think he cares. And so if he has to spend the next three years in jail, he doesn't care. Because I don't, I don't think that he's hit up a consequence yet that he has felt has been that bad to defer right. him from doing whatever he is wanting to do. So Absolutely. I would not be surprised if he came right back as soon as he's able to oh, continue exactly. to go after you, Michelle. I would just well, not I, be surprised. I, I, as soon as he's released within 24 hours, he'll, he'll be back. Um, Absolutely. If he still has a car. This is true. This is true. Um, well, I, I, I don't think they would take it after six weeks, like one, maybe two non-payments, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, if what he told me about the car was true, he was supposed to have like had it, I think he said November of last year was when he would have had it paid off. So <sighs> if that was true, he doesn't have a car payment. He just has to go and get his car and deal with the people, you know, wherever it was left. Gotcha. Got it. Mm. But I'm, you know, and, and he <laughs> wouldn't be able to leave like right away with a pending court case in June. So it's not like he could go to Louisiana with his father. It's not like he would go up to New York with this one friend that he has, you know, like he would have to stay here locally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, well, shit, you know, like part, part of it is like, yeah, you want to see him get justice and get served and, 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 you know, stop this, this nonsense and, and this constant, you know, predatory and stalking behavior. But like, on the other hand, I just want to go get the, get far away, get far away. I, I don't want to have anything to do with you. The kids right. don't want to have anything to do with you. You're dead to us. But like, that's not an option right now. <laughs> like, had he just done that initially when you kicked him out, like, had he just gone away but like he I has caused all this chaos. I think a doctor would tell you that this behavior that he's displaying is compulsory. Like, I don't think he has any control over it. And right now his objective is Michelle. 
Right. Like, I don't, I think that until something sways him permanently away from it, and, and who knows what that is, um the the behavior is compulsory and he there's nothing that's going to stop him from that i agree well, I, was, I was hoping a new relationship might stop that but we again we don't have any confirmation we just have an address but we don't know who he's living there with under what conditions we don't we have no idea and not that i want him to be in a relationship to abuse somebody else Truly, I don't. But I think that's the only thing that's going to change his target. But even with being with Michelle, he didn't stop doing the stalking of me when I was living with the other, you know, the ex-boyfriend, Kim, because I remember, you know, we were talking all that time and everything. He didn't let up on his stalking of me. He was still like putting things in our mailbox and he was, you know, he tried to break in and all this other stuff. Like he didn't stop until he moved hours away. Right. Yeah. Right. So like right now, because he's tied to these court charges. Right. He can't legally leave the area. Like we know he has a friend. I don't remember where. Like, he can't leave and go to a new area, you know, for new hunting ground or whatever. Like, he can't do that. And right. in a way, you you almost want him to keep the same vehicle because at least you know that vehicle, right? That, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so there is safety in that. So let's hope he actually does keep that vehicle because then you at least know something to keep an eye out for. And your kids right. have something to keep an eye out for. Um, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I guess, uh, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, we know he's not going to stop. Not at all. So, like, it's just so shitty. Like, it's just behind bars for however long. And then when he gets out at whatever time that is, start right back up, whether it's with me, with Jamie, or getting it and waiting for the cycle to repeat. Like, he's not going to stop. No, he's not. He he absolutely isn't. That's why it cracks me up, like, that people, like, come after Jamie specifically on her TikTok uh, <laughs> and accuse her of not, you know, like, accusing him of not being a narcissist. He right. is one of pro- a very few people that are actually diagnosed. Like, my ex-husband, he just lays narcissistic behaviors i would never go so far as to say he's someone who should be diagnosed he displays these behaviors right not all of them but he displays them um psycho on the other hand is like definitively like without question he is so dangerous and so outright like narcissistic and and it just mind boggles me that these people come and her account and argue and like just constantly they- to like accuse her of like uh, of you know and I know like a lot of women you know there are and I'm not even going to say women there are a lot of men that will accuse their exes of being narcissistic because a lot of people do have those qualities a lot of people do have those qualities. My ex being one of them, that doesn't mean he's narcissist, but there are also the majority of narcissists are not diagnosed. We know that because why would they go in and be diagnosed? They don't want to be. 
Exactly. They don't want help. And right. they don't right. think that there is anything wrong with them. I mean, I have been accused, absolutely, and I have been accused by numerous people over the last year since I started um, posting on TikTok that, you know, I've either falsified, which is why I posted the charges and the mugshots and everything, or that um, my child lied in court for whatever reason and that everything there are false accusations and he was falsely imprisoned and i've had people say that i'm the narcissist literally for just i don't go on other pages i don't go on other people's pages i don't like you know i don't sit there and say you know i I mean i'm literally on my page talking about my story my healing journey blah 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 but yet these people will come on and they're like oh your whole identity and all this other bullshit and i'm like literally no literally no people like come on like yeah. I, I have I, no is, I have nothing to gain by doing this no. in fact I have opened myself up to retaliation yeah. and like no I have nothing to gain here people so why why are why would I make this shit up just why and exactly. you know if I could get away with it if I could get away with it I would totally post the psych report you know, but uh, HIPAA, I don't want to get in trouble for that, you know, so I can only talk about it allegedly, but like, it's, it's ridiculous how many people out there and it's specifically men primarily want to paint the woman, the, the victim, the survivor, they want to paint them as the bad guy. Or if they do believe me, they will sit there and say, well, you picked him and why didn't you get out sooner? If you knew he was so abusive, why the fuck didn't you get out sooner? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. And you, you get so like, I've had trolls, but man, you get them terribly. And it's so it nerve wracking. It is ridiculous. It is mind boggling to me, but it's also mind boggling to me too. I mean, this is a tangent, but it's just mind boggling to me how, you know, you can be in a marriage supporting children together, but the second you get divorced and the court says you have to pay child support to a woman, you, you know, the person who's receiving the child support is now screwing you over for the money that you are already paying to support your children. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just like when you like like the things that people say and the mindset that you get when you go through a separation. um, You know, even in the best of relationships, you you just kind of the enemy, like the person that you love becomes the enemy and you just they immediately become the worst person ever. And I just see so many people come on to both of your pages and accuse you guys of being that kind of person and for you two that's just not the case like you guys actually are the victim right right and then additionally like like, question like you're not you're not out there like making any of it up like this all happened I mean for Jamie specifically I was there Yeah, you need to watch all of it. Like, I know it all happened. And what's even more ridiculous is when they think to me. Yeah. And what's what gets more ridiculous is when they're like, well, you're, you know, when it, when it, when that stuff came up with um, all the issue going on with the medical bill and the garnishment for me and all that other stuff. 
And, you know, people saying that I'm like, I don't know, like I'm not using the money around the kids or I'm getting, I'm getting rich off of it. And I'm like, that is, I got, I got $468 (laughs) for four fucking kids. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what am I doing with this goddamn money? And then they're like, you know, and it, it, child support is a huge like issue. And then like, I will have people say, well, you know, why don't you get a second job? Why don't you do this? And I'm like, well, I, I actually, I, I was working two jobs and I was trying to supplement, but why, when I have to raise the kids full time, why do I have to go out and get a second job to make ends meet? And he gets to have one job sitting on his ass, living for free from somebody else that he's living off of and manipulating. No offense to you, Michelle. I know he manipulated, but like he fucking gets to like live essentially for free. And he's not being forced to get a second job. He's, I mean, and he's more than fucking capable of doing so, but yet all the responsibility comes down on me. And when I fucking asked him to help with a goddamn medical bill and a dental bill, he flat out told me no. Like, it, it is mind boggling that the mothers are expected to pick up the pieces, raise the kids doing, you know, like helping these kids through the fact that they've been abandoned. We have to completely change our life to be able to make that financial, you know, make the finances work. And even then, even then we're still blamed for it and that it's our Thanks fault. For it. We're scrimping, working paycheck to paycheck. You're exactly. And if you do get any child support, it doesn't help with anything like. Yeah. And and then they throw it in your face like I, I support my kids and, you know, because you're well, getting fucking shit. No, the hell you're no. not. You guys, no, what is one hundred dollars like what is one hundred dollars a month per kid actually helping like when he yeah. was actually paying? Like, what is that? I have teenagers, teenage growing. Yeah, you know, I mean, like give me a fucking break. Like, no, $400 a month doesn't do shit. It may, may get a little extra groceries for them, but like, as far as reimbursement for their actual living expenses, their, um, you know, their, their part of the rent, their part of the electricity, because we all know that they, I mean, they use it more than I do all their extracurricular activities, their medical health care, their clothing, everything, yeah. everything. If I were to add it up and we were to actually split it 50, 50, he'd probably be having to pay me somewhere around 2000 to $2,500 a month. Literally. Yeah. Jamie, let me, okay. For, for reference, um, I raised four kids. I was divorced. Um, my ex-husband was a software engineer. Um, when we got divorced, my child support was just shy of $4,600 a month. Jesus fuck. Wow. Yeah. So it's fucking um, laughable. It's fucking laughable that the only reason he, and, and I would have had it reviewed if I could have, but it, there's like, I, you can only do it like once every year. And, 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 and let me just tell you, let me just tell you that graduated out. So like, as my kids, you know, graduated, that amount went down with each kid aging out. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when my son aged out, he, I was getting, um, $750 a month for my son. Now, granted my, my ex-husband, he, he does very well for himself. Um, so I recognize that, you know, there was a little bit there, but my point in saying that is that that amount of money 
still did not give me enough to support my children in luxury. Like I still struggled. Yeah. I still struggled a whole lot. I still depended on my income, my spousal support, because I did, I qualified for spousal support in California. I still like every bit of that went to support my four children. And then my parents helped in my living situation, um, you know, as well, helping with extracurricular activities. Sometimes if I was short on a bill, you know, my dad would supplement, you know, me here and there. Like, it is laughable to me in a very bad way that that's what he was able to get off of. Like, child support that, that they don't require them to pay more. Well, when we had the hearing, he was working allegedly 30 hours a week making $11 an hour or something. I, I, I don't even remember. Um, and allegedly, because I made more money, that's why he got to pay so little. And now I did waive spousal support because I was trying to get divorced as quickly as possible. Um, but they they never asked him to provide pay stubs. Like I brought my pay stubs to court. I brought like my schedule to court, all that other stuff. I brought everything because, you know, I'm thinking, hey, it's court. We actually have to fucking prove what we're saying. And then here, at least in Virginia, you can only have it reviewed every three years. So I couldn't even begin to try and have it reviewed. And that, that didn't even possible. I yeah, it, yeah, it's fucking Virginia. He's allowed to just say, "Oh, I make this." No proof. No. That's exactly. Um, that's exactly that you have to, you know, prove annually that you're still making that amount or or anything like that. Like, how many jobs has he switched now and has never right. had to report? that what his income was or where he worked or where he lived or anything. And then additionally, and this will, this will enrage you even more. So we had gone to court for child support. It would have been August of 2019. So that was after he had had the year in jail. Number one, he was not required to pay any back child support, nothing, no back child support. And then number two, when he first initially started paying, when he first started initially paying the child support, he had to pay his court costs and fines that were due to the state first before anything came to me. I did not get child support until 2020. I didn't get child support until 2020. Right. So I went two years with nothing. And he had to pay the goddamn state back first, then rather than paying for his kids. That is just backwards. It makes zero sense. However, you know, that's neither here nor there. Thankfully, I have been able to, you know, get opportunities to 
you know, better my job situation. And I love my career. I absolutely love my career as busy as it has made me, which is why our recordings haven't been as often. Um, and I'm, and I'm hoping that it can become more regular back to like every other week. Now, um, a lot of my upcoming deadlines have kind of smoothed over a little bit. Um, and so I am able to provide a lot more, a lot easier for my children. I know I'm never going to see money again. I, I realize that it is what it is. At least my kids know who they can depend on. <laughs> so overall, well, I still feel like I won because I, I'm the one that has the, the amazing relationship with my children and that even my adult children were all still very active in every in each other's lives and that we are consistently spending time together and I'm I'm so grateful for that because in the end that's that's what really matters is that I have a relationship with my children yes well and you know just someone who has been here kind of on the sidelines watching um and seeing the struggle from you know the day when he got arrested and Uh you know, just remembering Jamie, you know, sitting there going, what the fuck am I going to do? How am I going to do this to the Jamie who is sitting on the other side of this discussion today? My goodness, like you are a Wonder Woman. Like uh, when I just like, <laughs> yeah. rec- like just like when I just sit back and think about all of the things that you have overcome and all of the times, like, I'm just so dang proud of you because you did it. I sincerely appreciate hard. that. Like, are- like, it sucked, but you did it. And I just am proud of you. I appreciate that. I, You know, and it took me a long time to be able to be proud of myself. Um, just kind of because, honestly, I just... I, I felt so much shame for such a long time um, regarding like going off the rails at the end of the marriage when he was cheating and, and, you know, spiraling into alcoholism. And then after he was um, incarcerated and again, relapsing um, because I, I was so traumatized and one thing after another, after another, after another kept happening and like, you know, yeah, we finally get through court and I'm trying to help my kid put the pieces of their heart back together. And then I have another kid who is hospitalized seven times for trying to for self-harm and suicidal ideation and actual attempts. And I had to I had to do it alone. And, you know, I felt shame for a long time, like, oh, well, I didn't handle it correctly because I relapsed and I went on a binge for you know, five days or whatever. I can't even remember. And, and like, I felt such shame for that. And like, I had caused, you know, my kid to go into the hospital and all this other stuff. And like over the past two and a half years, since the end of my last relationship and that freaking dumpster fire, um, you know, I, I have been trying to do so much self work and like, being able to get to a point where I realized that, you know, I was reacting to my trauma and that while, yes, I made mistakes, that's not something I should hold on to shame for. And oddly, you know, um, it was the kid, you know, the, the one <laughs> that kind of helped open me, open my eyes to that a little bit. Um, and the fact that I have been able to rebuild that relationship with that kid, even though we went for a year without talking and right. I am like, I am at a point where I can feel 
proud of myself and that I, I did, I've put in so much work, but like, yet on the other hand, I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, I can't let it get to my head because I don't want to ever forget all the lessons that I've learned along the way, I guess. So like, (laughs) it's, it's a weird place to, to be in, but yet I know that I've definitely put in the hard work and if I do look back to that place where I was five years ago going, I literally have no idea what I'm going to do, what the future holds or anything. I never anticipated what the next five years would look like. And I certainly didn't anticipate it where I am now, where I have this amazing job that I, I, I am proud of myself for this. I fucking busted my ass to get to where I am and get this senior position in like literally 15 months, which is just mind blowing to me. But also I'm in a relationship that is so vastly different from everything else I've ever been in because I've been able to work on that, like, um, anxious attachment style, the abandonment issues. But even then it was still bumpy. There's been times where he and I have had to have these discussions and like, I have to be like, all right, am I, am I reacting like I would because I'm so used to trauma previously that I'm just reacting out of that because that's what feels comfortable to me is to have this like controversy and stuff like that. Or am I reacting because I have a valid feeling? And I'm so grateful that he is the type of person that is willing to have those conversations with me and not, you know, make me feel like I'm coming from a weird place or a bad place and like, listen and validate what I'm feeling and everything. And it's just like, I I never would have pictured where I am now when this first happened five years ago, I never could have anticipated it. I couldn't even anticipate moving an hour and a half away. That, that was like not on my radar. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm grateful for the life that I have now. Very, very grateful. And I try not to be angry or ragey all the time. I've worked through a lot of that. Um, right now, I just want him to go away. <laughs> Never right. cross my path again. <laughs> Everything you are and where you're at right now is like, you earned that shit. And you're still yeah. earning every single day, you know? So you should absolutely be proud of yourself. Um, And it really, it just sucks that, you know, you had to go through all that. You're still going through all that because, you know, we know you're, you're never going to see any money. We know that you're always going to have to help your kids through abandonment and, Hey, I'm sorry. Your dad is the worst piece of shit. I didn't know, you know, that type of thing. Right. Right. And, you know, and we try to like, for a while I tried to talk about it often because I feel like I was trying to just make sure you're okay guys right you're like you're really no are you saying that to me or do you really mean you're okay um and it got to the point where they were like look we don't want to talk about him anymore we don't miss him we're not feeling any kind of like pull or anything like that can we just like move on we don't want to talk about it so the only time it really comes up now is in regards to like court things but like I also know that I had a, you know, I have a biological father. And then when it came time that he passed away, I felt all kinds of weird things. So I'm like, all right, so now I got to help these kids through that when that comes up later. Um, Or like, if he tries to contact them or reach out to them, like I got to help them through that. But I'm, I feel like we are at a good place, especially with them that they're, they're doing so well. Like 
the two that had the most um, trauma and the CPTSD from it, they're in therapy. They're doing really, really well. And like, we have learned to mitigate certain trauma responses and when to anticipate, like around the year or around the anniversary of the assault and things like that. Um, you know, it kind of gets a little dicey for a little bit. Um, but I'm hoping each year that it gets easier and easier. And I would just love if he just ceased to exist in our lives in any way, shape or form. And we don't ever have to think about him again, you know, but I never know, like, is he going to try and reach out or, you know, shockingly, you know, I, his mom's dead. Yay. Um, but his dad isn't his dad. It's been five years. His dad has never reached out to find out how my kids are. And it's like that, that blows my mind. It just blows my mind that you wouldn't even want to know how your grandkids are. But I guess those are my expectations, not my kids. They're like, he was never involved in our life anyway. We don't care. So, you know, I think sometimes it's just hard for me to separate what my hopes and expectations are from what the kids' expectations are because they're so used to being completely let down by him that they have none and they don't want any and they don't want any contact. And like, I was the one that was like, Hey, if you want to try, I can try and foster a relationship between your dad. And they're like, no, he doesn't want to try. We don't want you to try because he has never put in an effort before. And he's certainly not going to put in effort now. And he proved that by every time they turn like 18 and whatnot, he just, they cease to exist for him. He never mentions them again in texts or anything like that. In fact, the only time he mentioned the kid who got assaulted after four years was when I made a TikTok post and he was stalking and he reached out and said, happy birthday for the first time in five fucking years to this poor kid, you know? Mm. So like, I wish I could just have the assurance in some way that he would never cross our paths again but unfortunately that's not going to happen but now i'm like well i did kind of open up a can of worms by getting him broken up with and kicked out (laughs) so i don't know it's it's definitely it's confusion i guess it's it's confusion of you know i wanted to do the right thing and i am so grateful that kim was able to help facilitate that but yet I also know that I willingly opened myself and my children up to the potential of some sort of retaliation at some point. Yeah. And that in itself is, I, I can't pretend to imagine that I know that type of, of fear and, and, you know, cause it's a very fine line between, Hey, I want to do the right thing. And, also self-preservation and it's not just you it's all of your children right right so tomorrow's going to be interesting yes for sure (laughs) um kim Uh i am so grateful to you for what you did to help out and help facilitate the communication between michelle and i and the fact that you know together we were able to warn her of this predator and you know, I found out afterwards and Michelle had had told me that he had started, you know, having some inappropriate behavior with your other daughter. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it really solidified my reason for it's reaching out to you. It, it, it definitely solidified the reason to reach out to you, but it also was like, 
heartbreaking to know that nothing has changed and he has no interest in becoming a better human being. None at all. And, and I don't know, and thank you again to, to both of you all and Kim for your, your role in all of this, um, because I had no idea and I don't know that I ever would have or when I might have about um, things that were said and done. I didn't know any of that until after, you know, all of this started and he was already gone and then things were, were starting to be told to me and I was like, whoa, you know, I didn't you say this or tell me that or let you know let me know and it was it was really heartbreaking to know that like while thank god he didn't touch anybody or do you know full-on do any of that that he was in my home and trying to set himself up for that in the future he was grooming yes he was grooming and i'd like to think i'd like to think knowing how her reaction was that she probably would have like punched him in the fucking face and like (laughs) but the thought is terrifying that he was at least attempting to groom yeah it's yeah it's really hard to think about because I mean, thank God it did not get to that point, but talk about, and this is just, you know, like at the time and my mind running wild with all the, you know, things that could have happened or how stuff could have gone. Like if it had gotten to that point and I found out, like I literally, I cannot say that I wouldn't be in prison for killing somebody, you know, had it come to that, like, or what would have happened? I don't know. Right. 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 But I think that we've probably gone way over our normal time. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But dang, we were trying to make up for a long time because I had so many work obligations and I am so grateful that we had Kim on. I would love to have you on again because just you've been through everything, like literally right alongside of us. Um, And so I'm hoping that, you know, we'll be able to put out another episode in two weeks. and hopefully it'll be able to be more steady after that point. And I appreciate everyone, you know, coming together on this call and going ahead and going over everything. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thank guys, you, Kim. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.